Hello to you all and welcome to the Pitcast by us here at the Pitcar Online. From the fans, for the fans. Today we are discussing the 70th anniversary Grand Prix that was held over the weekend, the second race at Silverstone, and here to discuss it with me, my name is Luca, I have BTCC editor Aaron. Hi guys. I also have the editor-in-chief, the crew chief himself, Simon. Hey guys. And F1 contributor, F1 notebook writer, whatever his name is, a new, new face to the pit crew, it's Tom. Hey guys. Brilliant. Right, so... A lot to discuss, and we have to try and cram it into 45 minutes, so I won't harper on. Um, first thing first, um, Racing Point got deducted 15 points and fined €400,000 for finding that the uh, rear brake ducts were, in fact, in a breach of sporting regulations. They've kept, they're allowed to keep using them, which uh, there's, a, there's a whole explanation for this you can find on YouTube. But Headline news is, is that a lot of the teams are protesting. Lawrence Stroll isn't happy. He's spouting his um, state-run propaganda on uh, Sky Sports. I say that because of how much he seems to look like a dictator. Um, Tom, since you're... Um, sorry to throw you under the bus, but since you're the new face here, um, we're going to have to like punch down all of the uh, all of the hopeless optimism and, and make you miserable like the rest of us. So <laughs> I want you to take the lead on this one. Racing point, deducted 15 points, 400,000 euro fine. I mean, again, I, I've tweeted so many times, we spoke in the group chat. I, my view on this is simple. Why have FIA allowed it to get to this point? We're so far into the season. Yes, there's only a couple of races, but we're still talking about a regulation that we should have been caught onto at testing. I mean, I get it. I understand a lot of teams aren't going to be happy. Ferrari probably aren't happy, hence why we've seen those guys come in, because they're so far, so far behind because of their en engine regulation that they got pulled upon at the start. But for me, I think it's very harsh. And he, they're not. They're, if, if you'd like me, I only take what I'm given. So I'm, I'm seeing what Otmar's putting out, and I'm seeing what Lawrence is putting out. They, they've been transparent through this whole process, in my opinion. And they're saying, look, we have not copied it. We've took it from what we've got. We paid for something back in 2018 that's now not legal, but we bought it then. So we put it into production. We've, we, we, we've done everything we can to put into this. This is what we've come up with. We've got it. And now everybody's screaming blue murder because it's illegal. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I think it's just, I understand it because everybody's, up in hiatus about it but it should have been dealt with a long time ago it's happened Toto Wolf hit the nail on the head the weekend just get it dealt with get it gone let's focus on the racing yeah I couldn't, couldn't put it better myself um uh, Aaron the fact is though is that this that we, we've joked throughout the whole season so far that it's a pink Mercedes blah 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 because it looks so much alike and yet it's only the brake ducts that seem to be getting the the, the, all of this half from all of the other teams apart from Mercedes um, it's going to have to get to a point now where we're just going to have to eventually come to some kind of decision as to where we all stand on this really, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think so I mean, I don't know really what to think of all of it, I mean, as far as I know F1's always been about copying each other and finding loopholes in the rules and, and exploiting them to the max to get the points I mean 
I don't know. I mean, we're gonna have to just, like Tom said, just draw a line under it and get it over with, and then move on to the next controversy, as there will be another one. Well, there always is. If there's anything that is certain in the world of Formula One, it's that one person is going to act like an entitled Karen over something completely insignificant if it means that they can gain a performance advantage. Um, so, so, does it sound like there's some, you're going to say something there, Simon? Yeah, just uh, reading of the rules, they, that part was totally legal for them to use as a listed part in 2019. So if they've got it from 2019, and that the upright that they're connecting it to is still legal to use from Mercedes in 2020, whatever development they made of that 2019 part would have naturally looked almost identical, very similar or identical to Mercedes 2020 part. I can't see how, how the rest of them are making such a big deal out of it. It's, as Aaron said, it has been and always will be. It's copy and catch up. Sorry, I had to get my two pennies worth in there. It's perfectly fine. You're a modern entitled to say so. You are on the podcast after all. Imagine if I did this and you, we never came to you. So, I mean, I would be fired, but hey, yeah. be worth it. I'm a fan. I'm happy. Yeah. Well, speaking of racing point, we have to all talk about the Hulk. Uh, obviously, Nico Hulkenberg came in as a last minute replacement for the British Grand Prix because of Sergio Perez's positive COVID test. Uh, apparently, he may be. Um, may come up COVID negative for the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Um, but we can't not talk about the fact that Hulkenberg nearly very gave, gave us that little bit of hope that he could finally break his podium ducts. And we all wanted it. Tom, oh, I feel, I, I, I really do feel bad for Nico because he, he's probably never going to get that podium. Um, but... Do you really th do you think he's setting himself up to potentially be in the shop window for 2021? 100%. I think he is. I mean, I was thinking about this after the race, even before the race this weekend. What could you do if Nico Hulkenberg isn't going to get a seat next year? Well, at the moment, he's not. He's, in, he's auditioning. That's fair enough because he's been away seven months. We've got to remember, he's been away seven months and he's come back right now. There's not a lot of seats next year, but there is. I thought, what is the best case scenario for Nico? And for me, if, let's say, as we all know by now, the rumour is Vettel to Racing Point or Aston Martin, what they're going to be next year. If that is true and that happens, I don't see why Haas don't take both those drivers. Take, che take Checo, take Hulkenberg, take him to Haas, go with it. I think they're, and they're very good friends, by the way, we're looking at next year's Haas lineup. But let's just think outside of that for now. And if I'm racing point, and I know I mentioned it precast, I'm honestly telling you now, not to his own fault, because as a Red Bull fan, I love Sebastian Vettel. He gave me the greatest years that I've ever seen. But if I'm racing point right now, I'm saying, right, Nico, we're going to give you this weekend as well in Spain, because... Checo's been out two races now. He's got over the corona. He, he might test negative this weekend. We don't know yet. But he's still got that period of time where he needs to get himself healthy, get, get, his, get his body back to shape. Give him another race. Because he got done out of the first one. Give him another race. That's his, that's his final chance to say, right, I could drive this racing point. I've got this car to fourth in qualifying. I can uh, drive this car. Uh, third, sorry. Of course, he did third. I was, playing, I was playing Formula One earlier. He got fourth, sir. 
um, yeah, so we got to third. And I mean, wow. All season we've been asking for it. Stroll, I know Stroll, Stroll's got it in him to do that. Checo hasn't. He's just been denied. But this is his point now to say, right, I want this seat. And if I'm Lance Stroll, I'm saying, I'm seriously considering that if they're going to get rid of Checo either way. I know Vettel's just, I know Vettel is the rumour, but my focus goes to Hulkenberg because he, he's, he's been away. Like, he's been away for so long and he comes back and gets in the seat and drives it like he did. Does that not say to you that this guy's still got a lot of race in him? Indeed. Um, and I know that there was, um, there's been a lot of rumours apparently Kimi Raikkonen is considering ending, ending his career and Sergio Perez should Vettel end up going to at Racing Point Aston Martin. Apparently Perez will go back to the team he started his career with, which was Salva, now Alfa Romeo. Um, I know if I was, uh, there's just a lot of rumours now that apparently Haas might end up being bought out by a different company. And uh, one of our pit crew sponsors, who Hype Energy, um, not Rich Energy, not the other energy drink that's in relation to Haas, but Hype Energy, which sponsored Force India for a couple of years. If I were them, I would buy out that team get the BWT sponsorship over from Racing Point, which no doubt will be going from pink to green, and have Perez and Hulkenberg as my lineup in Hype Energy Racing. And I don't know if you can see it like yeah, there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that's there because I keep, I'm just so hung up on the idea of having Hype Energy be their own F1 team. Uh, anyway, well, back to the, the matter at hand. Um, Hulkenberg setting himself up potentially for uh, a race seat uh, in ne- next year, in wherever that may be. Um, we, we do have to ask, though, uh, I know you made your point there about Vettel um, going, going to Aston Martin, maybe they should consider Hulkenberg. On, it is more of a commercial thing rather than a performance issue, because if it was always a performance issue, quite frankly, you would want to not look at Vettel at all. Because he, he, it feels dirty disrespecting a, a, a four-time champion. But Simon, I'm going to have to ask you, Vettel again, how about he's fun again? It's become expected. First corner. What do we do about him? That's what I said in the last podcast. I, I really think having three kids plays on your mind. And you've only got to look back at the history of Formula One. The drivers have had families whilst they've been driving, including Michael. They all slowed, they all took that millisecond longer to make a decision. It just took that tiny bit of edge away. And he's, he's losing it like DC lost it towards the end of his career, just keeps spinning it. A move to Aston Martin may well at first give him back some enthusiasm and get him back to, to, to somewhere where he wants to be. But I don't think he's going to be a winning car straight off and certainly not you know, in the time that he will, he'll be there. It will be like Schumacher going to Mercedes. He'll bring it to a stage where they could possibly win races and then they'll probably bring in a younger, cheaper or a younger guy to take take advantage of the... the well, they just use Vettel to make sure that Stroll can then set his cars up right so that they've engineered a championship for Lawrence's son. Yeah. Stroll gets a, a lot of grief because, you know, he's in daddy's team, but he's a great driver. They're all great drivers. Maybe, maybe he's not in the top 10% of the Formula 1 grid, but, he, you know, nevertheless, he's a great driver. The top 10% of the F1 grid is two drivers. Exactly. So he's, he's definitely not the second best driver. He could be the third best. Well, we only is. Well, I would say the top ten percent would be Lewis and Max. you disagree? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really catch the end of that. I said I think the top ten percent of the 
Formula One grid is max. Max. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, so I like Verstappen and like the likes of Hamilton, maybe like even Leclerc. Yeah, all of them. Lot. Um, I do actually want to talk about Leclerc because since we're talking about Vettel, um, he, he, Leclerc is outperforming that dog of a car in the way that Alonso did. Um, Aaron, uh, over to you on this one. Leclerc is he's very much because um, there was that point that Simon made about that when Vettel gets to a new team, he seems to be a bit rejuvenated. Um, but then once that because. Before Ferrari, it was Red Bull when Ricardo started, just came in in his third year and beat Vettel to in the championship. And now that Vettel doesn't have a pushover teammate, the clerk showing him up. And I mean, it's probably a good thing that if the hypothetical scenario is that Vettel ends up with teammates with Stroll, Stroll's not going to show him up. And if he does, then that's really embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it's natural progression, really. I mean, with Leclerc and Vettel, because um, you know you've seen it at Ferrari before um, when Schumacher was tailing off Massa was coming up and doing real well um, you know and Alonso was outperforming his Ferrari for, for years you know nearly won the 2012 championship in a car that was probably the third or fourth best on the grid um, but we all know Charles is a good driver he's, he's quick he's young he's everything Jules Bianchi probably would have been if he got given the chance to um, if, well, if what Suzuka 2014 didn't happen um, I mean, he's outperforming his car, and to get fourth at Silverstone, a track which really doesn't suit Ferrari at all, is you know incredibly impressive for me anyway. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring back that point you said, Simon, about Vettel having a family, and that puts some doubt in your mind. You used the point of Michael Schumacher um, when he start, had a family. His, um, his children were born in 97 and 99. And then he went on to have five straight championships. So I'm not sure about your theory there. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it's debatable, isn't it? But I guess, you know, they get older, it does play more in your mind. You know? Very well. It's not, you know, fatherhood is a strange thing. They come along and you just, you kind of, yeah, nothing's changed, nothing's changed, nothing's changed. And all of a sudden, you look, you're leaving home, you're looking at these, these people that have developed characters. They're not just babies anymore. They've got characters. They're saying, Dad, why are you going to work? That changes you. Why, you know, I get it. I got it. You know, why are you going to work? Why are you working this time of day? Isn't it dangerous? It's the same, you know, it's going to be the same thing for Formula One driver. I'm sure Tom's, Tom's got kids as well. I'm sure he'll, he'll understand that. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think you definitely got a point there. Um, and it, right now, if you're Vettel, let's be honest, it's probably very easy to make that decision to go, right, let's find, a set, let's find an agreement. You get somebody else in pay me out, I'll go and do something else. Just just, just do the full-on Red Bull to him. It's, right, it's well, probably, and, and, and Sebi would probably take that right now because surely he's got to be thinking, I can't take much more of this. The, the, the competitiveness we've seen in him over the years. I don't see it anymore. I just don't. No. And it's sad. He's just become a bit defeatist, hasn't he? I mean, he was on the team radio saying, oh, you've, you've messed up, you know, we've, you've messed up my strategy and all this. He's just taking bites at the team all the time now. Uh, I think he's just lost that that fire, that passion that he had at Red Bull and then at Ferrari at the start. I think he's just gone out. I think he's just seen the season out for some reason or another. So well, if theoretically, to. theoretically then, if he is so like miserable and doesn't enjoy the sport anymore, why is he then going to be signing up for a couple more years of Aston Martin? 
Tom? I think that's I think that's the point. I think that's the only thing right now that's keeping him around. That's the I'm only just, thing that's keeping him in the sport right now and keep pushing that Ferrari week in, week out. The 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 banger that it is that it's not supposed to be. That's what's keeping him because he knows he's got to just keep going head down. He'll get a new contract next year at Aston Martin if we go by the rumours. All right then, well, we'll move on to the actual race because there was a lot happening. The um, the, the, the headline story was that um, after last week's tyre failures, there was doubt as to whether the plan to bring in a step softer and all three compounds was going to happen. And we saw in the race, a lot of the, no, no one seemed to go on the soft tyre at all. Um, then as far as medium was concerned, uh, everyone used it, but it seemed to be dissipating very quickly. Um, but the head, the major story here, Max Verstappen, he's, he qualified in, uh, got into Q3 on the hard tyres, which meant he started the race on that and immediately started making his making inroads on the Mercedes and then through the pit stops, the Mercedes couldn't even eat into their lead, eat into Verstappen's lead because they had eaten up, up their tyres. And it began to look very, very likely that Max Verstappen would break the duct of Mercedes twins and eventually he did. So to anyone out there who was genuinely thinking that Mercedes were going to win every race, I think we can all agree, even as someone who maybe likes Mercedes, we don't want it to be a complete walkover. Um, the tyres definitely brought in some major interest there. Um, uh, first question I want to ask regarding the tyres, and this, again, I'm going to have to throw this over to you, Tom. A lot of people are always in two minds in regards to the way that tyres should behave in Formula 1. There are people like, oh, we can't have the tyres just shred so quickly, just let the drivers go flat out. But then you have the other side, especially who are more vocal after last weekend's race, who are like, well, it's evident here that pushing the tyres and bringing in major strategy calls makes for more, a more exciting race. So where do we find that middle ground exactly? Um, honestly, I wish I had the answer for you, how, how we find the middle ground. I think the middle ground is we are going to have to start seeing more two-stop races. I think everybody in the paddock now is trying to do these one-stop races, push these tyres to the limit. And it's absolutely, as we've seen last week, blowing them to bits. I think the way to do it is, you can't, obviously, you can't enforce, you can't force, right, everybody has to make a two-stop. Every, every race, when it's hot, when the tyres are playing the way they are, everybody has to make two stops. That's minimum. You can't do that. Everybody wants to be the one-stopper, the quickest on the track but the middle ground is it's on Pirelli isn't it I mean that they tried it this weekend we saw it this weekend they've upped the pressure yes they went softer but they upped the pressure and I think it was everybody outside of Mercedes didn't really have any tyre issues so I think pressure is probably the first thing you look at to go on to find how could keep these tyres in much better shape than they do and don't get me wrong I saw a picture of Max's tyres when they pulled in into Park Fermi they were ruined but you see it next to the Mercedes it was just that was something else. I mean the Mercedes tyres were probably better than Lewis's front left last week but then again most things were better than Lewis's front left last week. Um, on that point regarding on Pirelli uh, I remember back, uh, I think it was the Canadian Grand Prix in 2010, there's a great video by Chain Bear F1, if anyone ever wants to go find that, 
about how the 2010 Canadian Grand Prix shaped the way that Pirelli would design their tyres because obviously 2010 was the last year that Bridgestone manufactured the tyres for F1 and then Pirelli came in the following year. And we noticed in that race that the way that the tyres just felt a bit, and there was a lot of um, a lot of degradation, it completely and utterly changed the game. And it made people think that the solution for the boring races that was very that were very, very prolific at that time was to end up going for tyres that fell off very quickly. And then we got around to 2013 where tyres would be bad after two laps and then you had like punctures galore. Um, obviously a bit too far the other way. I mean, I remember back in those days, the jokes about Pirelli. Um, some say that thanks to Pirelli condoms, he now has 17 children in reference to, uh, to the stick on Top Gear. So uh, Simon, uh, oh, oh, I'm not gonna make an age joke here, but you've obviously seen a lot of races over the years. And these days we don't see that many exciting races, but when we do, we relish them. Um, Pirelli's uh, philosophy going into last weekend obviously paid off very well. And so how do we now take this, take the information that we gained from last weekend and push forward to potentially in the 2022 regulations coming up, make it more exciting? Difficult one to regulate. Um, Quite, kind of, kind of, and back on that a little bit. I was surprised that Mercedes didn't go for the hard tire in, in Q2 because the hard tire was surely medium in the last race. So yep. surely by that they should have gone for that. So I didn't quite understand that. Um, I think the only way we can check this up is to have another tire manufacturer. Not the I think Pirelli are doing a brilliant job, and they're doing the best they can as the sole tire manufacturer. This is the only choice. This is the only way they can influence a race. And they, you know, the only way to influence um, the second race at the same track was to change the tyre compound. And that was a you know, great problem. If we had another tyre manufacturer, so half the team was on, are on Pirelli and the other half on Bridgestone, I know we've tried this before, but if we had that, we'd have you know, even more strategies. It's either that, or to throw something else into the mix, we have to go back to fuel stops. There's not a lot we can do with the tyres. You're not a fan of fuel stops? I love fuel no, stops. I mean, back in the day, we got to a point where everyone was so out of sequence is that everyone would be so far about on track and that you would only really know where people really were in the last few laps. So it was... I, 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 I used to like the idea because naively I just thought that it meant that lighter cars meant better racing, but everyone was so out of sequence. I think now because the, the current hybrid engines are so um, efficient and fuel econ economical, that because the F1 cars are getting so big now, if we could get them back to a decent size where they could, with these engines in particular, would be able to make it a, a full distance whilst being a bit smaller, it would make it a lot more interesting. But to, to bring back refueling, I think would be, I don't know, I think it would cause more problems than it would particularly, I don't know if you lot agree with me on that. I'm probably in the, the minority. A lot is a my subject, isn't it? Some people love it, and so Jossie Stacken hates it. Um, oh yeah, because <laughs> in, that, in that burning incident, what was it? Yeah. In 1994, if we very nearly, we very nearly lost Max Verstappen even before we ever knew he existed, because <laughs> that was 94, he was still in Jossie's testicles. <laughs> sorry, Aaron. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Now, Yossi's testicles. 
<laughs> I mean, well, on, re- on refueling quickly, I'd love to see it, but you you imagine the health and safety that'd be imposed on it now. Would it make it impossible to bring it back? They still have it in um, India, don't they? Yeah, they do, but their races are so different in the way that, that they in, implement their strategy. Um, okay. Sorry, what was that? They still come with a can over their shoulder and literally fill it up manually. No, that's NASCAR, I think. <laughs> wrong, wrong American sport. All right, well, um, Max Verstappen obviously provided the show. We uh, we all heard that iconic line. I'm not going to drive like a grandma. Yeah. Uh, and um, obviously the, the Mercs, yeah, they were just eating their tyres. And so obviously Pirelli, uh, we, we all said about this, if there was any season that to, to do testing of some sort, it was going to be this one where you're going to have two Grand Prix. If uh, So Mercedes now must be shitting bricks because everyone's pressuring Pirelli to to up the, the pressures and go a step softer and for all the races. And, and it does get me quite excited for the Imola race because, again, we have the single 90-minute practice session before qualifying. Sure. Um, that, that is going to be insane. So, yeah. I think, personally. What was that? I think that's how it should be. Well, I, I think we should, everyone save money. Sorry, cut Friday out of the equation. 19 minutes yeah. qualified race on Sunday. It, I mean, I, I thought about having two 90-minute sessions and then on Saturday and then qualifying on the race on Sunday. Well, it should just be a two-day event. Why, they, why do they stretch it out to three? You know, yeah. uh, normally it works. I don't get to see the um, three practice sessions. But you sit there and, you know, it's a, it's a young fest, really. I don't know how they... How, um, how anyone sits through that? I know we tweet it, and so they do it really well. But you know, Tom, Tom did you do, do one this year, this week? Yeah, I did. did uh, I think I did both sessions Friday. Um, really, and really. I, I gotta be honest. I think I think this, the the first P, uh, FP one was a lot more exciting than FP two because obviously FP two got cut short by by Sebi's, uh, you know. Getting the, getting the getting, yeah, fuel leakage, oil leakage. I still didn't know what that was about. I think he caught the curb and cut the bottom of the car open. So that cut that short. But I, I agree with you, Simon, in, in a certain way where practice does need to be cut down. But I'm quite an old school fan. I, 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 I look forward to Fridays. I have, I have most Fridays off, so I, I've got nothing else to do. So maybe that's just personal. I look forward to it. But, you know, they're banging on about saving money. You know, when I started watching Formula One, every team went to a race with four cars because they had a spare car for every driver. Can you imagine the extra cost that was and, just, and the extra emissions flying those cars around the world? Yeah, and then they also have the, um, like, back in those days, they had, like, unlimited engines. Yeah. Like, they weren't, uh, they, I think it's capped these days at, like, three or four because the engines are so efficient. Uh, I mean, we, they're, and they're going to have to keep continuing bringing the costs down, emissions, quite rightfully, um, and then all the all the tra- unnecessary travel. Like I remember when we spoke on the podcast one time, James, uh, you and I, talking about all the unnecessary, like going to and fro on F1 calendars. Like they would go to Italy, then Singapore, and then Sochi, and then Japan. Like that's going to have to get to a point where it's just like stop this madness. It's unnecessary. Yeah, definitely. I think it's got. I think this, the calendar has got to be a lot more travel friendly. 
it has to be. It's a lot more. It's got to be a lot more organised than what it is. Especially with twenty-two races and the fact that these crews are going to be away for so such a long time. Um, I feel like I've I've neglected one person here, Aaron. I feel like you haven't had a word in. I'm really sorry about that. I'm just quite happy to sit and listen to be fair. I mean, you know. Or, well, you can do that in the edit. No, I'm sorry. You, you're welcome here. You're welcome. Um, anything else? I feel like I might have forgotten a few things. I, to be fair, when I watch a race, I'm I'm blank about two days later, and we're recording this on Tuesday because we couldn't get everyone together on Monday. Uh, is there anything else during the race that we missed? Um, there's a couple of things I got that I couldn't put in the in the race notes. A couple of things I wanted to touch on, and I know I've got to keep the race notes slimmed down, but there's a lot more in there. Um, Daniel Ricardo. Uh, tough weekend for Daniel. I mean, I think I, I mentioned Charles earlier. I think it was Daniel that qualified uh, in P4, wasn't it? Um, he qualified P4. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm sure he did. And then it just the whole race went to pop. Um, tough, tough pitting. His strategy was an absolute mess. Got caught in traffic, and even on the team radio, apologising, taking it as his fault. I mean what a weekend it could have been for Ricardo because if you if you've noticed over the last two races, Silverstone has suited that Renault car perfect. They've just they've just looked really good. And racing point Renault debate all aside, they're they're in pretty good shape themselves. I've just had a look, he qualified fifth and Verstappen was fourth. If yes, of course he was because Hulk was third. Yes. 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 Um I must say um Ricardo really impressed me last week. Um finishing fourth and he could have had a podium if Hamilton's tyre had gone a lap earlier he could have won that bet with his uh, boss Cyril Abitable. Um, uh, what? oh yeah I think it was there was a battle between Gasly and Albon at one point as well that really got my attention and Albon was pulling off some incredible manoeuvres like he was going around the outside of cops I think three times on three different drivers if I'm not yeah. mistaken yeah, did, I know, yeah one was Gasly one was Reichman who was the other one where did he finish? P was it P eight? Was it P? I literally just closed the page that I used to reference Ricardo finishing. Yeah, for uh, qualifying uh, fifth. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's I... take his final position because he did one in three. It was it's one every lap, wasn't it? It was three consecutive laps of overtaking. Yeah, Albon yeah. was fifth, and then um, oh yeah, and yeah, then Stroll, Hulkenberg, Ocon, Norris, Kvyat, yeah. uh, and then. There's a lot of things that I'm literally trying to think of right now that happened during the race, and my brain is frying. Finally, came in for his second tire stop. Ah, yes. Can we talk about that? The because there was there was talk that apparently he could make it to the end. Uh, Bottas pitted the same lap as Verstappen. Verstappen just went and did six qualifying laps on the mediums and coincidentally came into the pits at the same time as Bottas, and then Hamilton stayed out and. There was talk, oh, we might go to the end. And then the second but Verstappen starts wow. eating into his lead, Hamilton pits, and he's able to pass Bottas. Bottas could be a bit peeved about that, surely. I mean, Aaron, I'll let you have this one first. Um, but yeah, Bottas, I imagine he's getting to a point now where he's just fed up of constantly getting the wrong strategy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the, he is the number two driver, if, if you look at it. Um, so they're always going to prioritise what Lewis does. Um, 
you know, I think with Lewis, I mean, I think he came in. I mean, he doesn't really have to risk anything. He's 30 points ahead in the championship. It's not as if he's fighting tooth and nail with someone for the championship. So coming in for a second stop and sacrificing one, maybe two places, I don't think it's the end of the world for him. But yeah, for Bottas, I feel sorry for him because he was on the pace. He was quick. What could he have took for stepping out? You know, could he have got past him? I don't know. But did you just say took for stepping out? What like Paul drived into him, Dan tipped him style? Well, um, no, no, that's, a, that's another can of worms. I don't think one will open. Um, no, just overtake him, just get past him. I don't think he would have, but he could definitely have been a lot closer. I think. Yeah. Well, um, coming into the, uh, we'll have to wrap this up at some point. But coming into the end of the podcast, um, I'm just going to talk about Stappen briefly. Do we, Wolf has obviously said or. Oh, well, you think Verstappen is going to be like the great threat for the title? Um, and I've got to got to ask you all three of you, and uh, Tom, you can have this one first. Do we really think that Verstappen now, now that he's got that wind duct off his back, is he going to be a threat for the championship? Because I don't think he is. Um, I think he'll be a threat in the warmer races. Let's be honest. I think if if we get the similar sort of temperatures we get this weekend and Mercedes is issues I've always said if, if you're going to beat Mercedes there's only one per, one thing that can beat Mercedes and that's themselves or it's reliability they rely on reliability to keep them in, a, in winning the championship walking away with it I think if we get a similar race to what we had this weekend I think Verstappen definitely could and let's let's mention Red Bull Red Bull had a couple of upgrades this weekend is that another thing that's got them closer because even even at the start when Max made that great, like you, you did, you did, obviously you did the impression better than I would. I'm not going to say it, but like about the grandma thing, he was right. This is the only time in a very long time he's been that close to the Mercedes. Was it just down to their issues that they had? Was it Red Bull's upgrades they had? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But going forward, I think if there's ever been a chance and a time to see a change in Formula One, then this is this past weekend is what it needed, and it needed it. But I think he can in a short. Yeah, I think he probably can. But I'm Red Bull, so I've got to say that. Well, you say there that it's going to be in warmer climates, and considering we started the race, the, the season in the middle of the summer, that means they haven't got that many chances left. And if Vettel's warning about the Nürburgring, uh, hosting the Eiffel Grand Prix in October is anything to go by, we could probably see very cold weather come the rest of the season. Um, Simon, what do you make of the potential of a, of a Red Bull title charge? I'd like to see the challenge, but I can't see them challenging that much. You know, it's going to be picking up victories. As Tom said, when Mercedes dropped the ball, he's going to be the one probably be there. I think those Mercedes issues were that A, the heat of the track, the tyres, but the efficiency, the downfall sufficiency of that Mercedes, I think has called them out because it's so efficient and pushing that car down into a track that's 42C. Whereas the Red Bulls much, much less, um, had much less downfalls from what I believe. So they were kind of on their tyres. Yep. Yeah, I, I think you're right there because I think it was mentioned on the cast, uh, on, on, on the broadcast the weekend. If you look at the Red Bull, the back of the Red Bull is really high compared to the rest of the field which is, when you look at the other ones, every, like with the downforce, Mercedes is very, very low. And I just think that's a very 
very different setup to go with. We'll probably leave that one for another time in the different setups. But I just felt it weird because I think they were saying that the last time you saw a car at that ride height was last year's racing point, which is, again, very weird. Yeah, the, the racing point, I, I remember hearing Safnauer referring to their design philosophy last year being very much based on the Red Bull, and now it's based very strongly on the Mercedes, probably a bit too much, considering the fact what happened. Um, Aaron, your, your, your thoughts now on if Red Bull could pull something out of their, their diffuser and challenge for the championship? I don't think so. I mean, like Tom and Simon have said, the only time anyone other than Mercedes seems to win is when Mercedes mess something up, whether they in the past, whether they'd been it into each other, like when Rosberg and Hamilton had crashed, there was always someone there to pick up the pieces. Um, I can't see it. I mean, I, he'll probably win more races, um, you know, Max will, um, but he won't fight for the title, I don't think. I think he'll be a not too distant third place behind uh, Hamilton and Boss. All right, I've got one more question then. Um, name a driver who you reckon is likely or most likely to also win a race this year, other than Verstappen, Bottas, and Hamilton. Uh, Tom? Put me on the spot. Um... Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first, mate. You go. <clears throat> I put myself on the spot. <laughs> um, okay. I reckon... I, the fact is, is that we always were talking about how Albon was very likely to have won the Austrian Grand Prix because he was on the precious tyres and they were all bunched up because of the safety car. Uh, maybe him. Um, maybe potentially even the likes of Perez when he comes back, assuming he's able to. Um, I really, The fact is, is that Leclerc has been able to score three podiums and some strong three, no, two podiums and a strong race finish and set of race finishes so far this year. Uh, and he's in a dog of a car, and Alonso managed to win a few races in his Ferrari dog. I would hope, I would like to see him win. Um, and the very naive and unrealistic person in me would like to say Lando Norris, but yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Um, if it, I don't care if Mercedes win every other race. I just want Hulkenberg to be on the podium. Like we all just want that, don't we? So go on, yeah. your turn yeah. then, Tom. Okay, um, I will go with you. I'd love to see Lando Norris. I'd love to see Lando Norris win a race. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? And especially considering how far McLaren have come over the past season. You know, I think they've got the possibility. If, ever, if, if we get a weird race, some weird race, like we get the end of the British Grand Prix, but a bit more in the middle, maybe we get to see something really weird. But outside of that, I think you're right. Leclerc, um, it's probably going to be Leclerc or Albon, isn't it? I think that's the only two next in line that you've got outside the top three? Aaron? Um, I'd like to see Ricardo win one. Um, whether it's possible, I'm not too sure. Um, just for another shoey. Uh, I miss the shoeys. They were brilliant. Um, I, Lando... For those of you who don't want, like see us, because it's audio, I just took my slipper off and put it to my face and then I got a waft of bad air. <laughs> right, carry on, Aaron. Aaron. Um, I'd like to see Albon win one just as a big screw to to Helmut Marco because he's probably looking over his shoulder at the minute thinking he's going to get dropped um, for Gasly or for Kvyat or whoever else. So I'd he like to see him win one. I just want to see him one. win one just 
to say to Marco, look, I can, I can do this, you know, put your little black book away, what I'm doing. Is that a Death Note reference or something? No, just his little yeah. black book of contacts of... Um, oh, that one, okay. He's probably got right. Franz Post on speed dial, but you know. Uh, Simon, what about you? I'm definitely with Alex. I really think he's got it in him. Um, I think at the crop of... I know he's not technically British, but um, you know, I think we'll, we'll all adopt him anyway, whether he likes it or not. He was uh, born in London. He's got a British father. He's British, okay? Even if his mum is Thai. <laughs> Well, I really, I really believe that it's not the same situation as Gasly. I, I see so much more in Alex personally. You know, a couple of races ago, they were um, they were saying how brilliant, was, brilliant he was, and then the next race, it was oh yeah, but he, you know, he tried that too early, but Lewis took him out. So it's an odd one. But I really, you know, this drive the last weekend, seventieth Grand Prix was fantastic. He was the highlight of the race for me. Seventieth anniversary. Grand Prix, not the 70th Grand Prix. Someone did that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and you thought that she was being serious when she was blatantly joking. It's, it's, it was a banner headline. You think, what the hell is she on about? It's when yeah, you yeah. The and then you read the replies, you were like, yeah, she's definitely joking. She, by the way, her name's Emily Jones. She's a sim racer and she's she just finished third in the Oceana FIA Gran Turismo Championships for like the state home races. So uh, I, if anyone out there is looking for a, a woman in sim racing to, to support, there you go. Anyway, what is it? There was one, one record, Michael Schumacher equaling record that Lewis Ah, had. that is a good point. Lewis Hamilton finished on the podium for the 155th time, equaling Michael Schumacher's record, which he's probably going to beat by the next race, most likely. Um, and he's fast approaching... Uh, the 91 win tally. So Lewis Hamilton is set to equal Schumacher in championships, maybe beat him next year. We can't really bet on that too early. Uh, definitely eclipsed him in race wins. He's already long since eclipsed him in poles, and now he's equaled him in podiums. And he's probably not going to get fast slaps because he's still about 30 off behind. So again, rest assured, Schumacher fans. Um, I, I am conscious of the time. I quickly just want to get everyone's driver today. We didn't do this last week because I was a plum and forgot. So if I was to go for British Grand Prix driver of the day and 70th anniversary driver of the day, for British Grand Prix driver of the day, I'm giving it to Daniel Ricciardo for his brilliant fourth place finish. It's a, a toss-up between him and Leclerc for getting on the podium. For the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, I, um, I think I'll give it to Verstappen. I think that's an easy bet. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing a lot of you are probably just trying to like think of picks for both of them and I'm sorry to have done this to you but it's, <laughs> it was my fault for last week so Tom I think you have an idea go for it yeah I agree with you British Grand Prix Daniel Ricciardo equaling his best finish with Renault in, in that's when he was P4 <laughs> and obviously this weekend I'm going to have to Charles Leclerc just because he's in a, in a Ferrari that's just not very good and P4 that's a great finish for him Outside of him, I'd have probably looked at, I, I don't know, Verstappen for beating the Mercedes, but I think it's got to be a bit more than that. I'd like to see a bit more of that in the drive of the day. So for me, and I can't remember who I give it in the race notes, actually. Uh, I'm sure it was Leclerc. I, I give it Leclerc. So yeah, Leclerc all day long. All right. Uh, Simon, do you want to go next? Yeah, for me, it has to, the first the British Grand Prix would be, um, and I think we're going to hate me for saying this, but the three-wheeled 
Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. It's for getting that freewheeler across the right. My mind, no matter what. So he did handle that car really well. I know it gratuitously went uh, at a great time for him, but he still finished the race and won the race. And it's going to be slightly different for the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Um, I'm going for Alex Albon, just because every time I saw him overtake, it was, you know, it took some balls to do what he was doing, especially after the last couple of incidents when he's tried to overtake someone that hasn't gone particularly well. He didn't seem to, to play on his mind at all. He was in, in a groove and just went for it. So. Definitely. Considering, considering as well, just to add to that, he was once again found, found himself last and he was the first to pit. Yeah. Um, Aaron, your turn. Uh, for British Grand Prix, I'd, I'm struggling to remember. I've slept since then. Um, but I'd probably say Ricardo, you know, getting fourth place in a Renault is a good good effort. Um, and for the 70, 70th anniversary race, it's got to be Albon. I mean, he's coming back and he's proven all his doubt was wrong, finishing in the top five. Like Simon says, pulling off all these ballsy moves from the outside of cops, which at the best of times isn't an easy place to overtake from. So, yeah, I think Albon for the anniversary race. Right, terrific work, everyone. So that has been the uh, the, the the debrief for the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Um, if you are looking to continue listening to our podcast, you can listen to us on both Spotify. There's a train outside my house now. Sorry if you can hear that in the background. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify and YouTube, and you can follow all our social media handles on the likes of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have been Luca. My username on social media is redluca56 uh, on Twitter, that is. Um, I'm going to throw it over to the rest of my colleagues now to give out their social media handles. Uh, Tom? Yeah, sure. It's at Tom J. Wade F1 on in, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Brilliant. Simon? At F1 Taxi on Twitter. And Aaron? Uh, at Aaron Airwin7 on Twitter. Brilliant. Now remember everyone, the pit crew online is all about you. Okay, that's cheesy. But no, my point is, is that we're always looking for new contributors. Do not feel afraid. Uh, Simon is the person to go to. So again, the F1 Taxi or the pit crew online's Twitter account or however you can get in touch with us. It's how Tom here and how the rest of us got in, got to, into the roles that we are. So you are not discriminated against. You can come and try and get our hand at writing up for a motorsport website. We are always looking for contributors. All right. So that is it. We will probably be back next week for the Spanish Grand Prix debrief. So we will see you all out on track.